This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Did the longest con in video game history begin in the 1980s? Go, go, gadget skates, and let's find out. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that. Hey, ooh, welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of high scorers. I don't know. Hey, my name is Will. You're no help. <laughs> You're just staring. Are you thinking? <laughs> just, sitting, just sitting here staring at the screen. I thought your camera froze. Uh, hey, my name is Will, and joining me as always is my good buddy and co-host, Ray. How you doing? Fantastic as always. What's up, everybody? Today on the show, I'm going to be telling you a true crime story, right? And, you know, because we hear those are mm-hmm. really popular mm-hmm. these days. That's right. You know, so I've got a true crime story for you. It's not going to be nearly as intense as I know the true crime stories you're going to tell us a few weeks from now. Yeah. But it'll it'll be sort of our dipping our toes into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we'll dip our toes into the bucket of blood in a couple of weeks. Oh, already you're making it disgusting. <laughs> All right. Hey. So we're going to get to that in a moment. Before we do that, however, please remember to like and subscribe rate and review, leave a comment somewhere, do all those things that help folks know that you appreciate the idiots because then it helps other people find the idiots and so on and so forth. And the show does better and we get bigger guests and that sort of thing, right? Makes sense. Yeah. And buy us some, buy some merch over at Tee Public so we can go out and eat breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> if only, <laughs> if only that's how it worked. And I would suggest getting something like a, a mug, Something that you don't have to worry about uh, accidentally shrinking on you. What, do you put them in the dryer? Well, my wife does, yeah. See, I don't, I don't put mine in the dryer. Now, do you treat all your clothing that well? Or, yeah, or? it's only shirts in general. Because as I get bigger, any shrinkage yep. at all in a shirt is, is worthless. <laughs> yeah, it's the dryer's fault. Mm-hmm. Okay, hey, let's get caught up on 80s news. I just realized as I'm uh, bringing up all these news stories that there's something they have in common. And I, I swear to you, except for one of these stories, the rest of them are just, it's just a coincidence. Um, in 80s news today, um, I think, hmm, we probably never actually even talked about this, but you know, one of our favorite games from the 1980s, The Legend of Zelda, which was uh, an early Nintendo game, uh, came out towards the end of the 80s, showed us what, you know, the future of video games at home could be because it just took Atari 2600, television, ColecoVision, all those predecessors to it, just to a... Uh, all those platforms to another level. So it's just about five years ago that we learned that Nintendo was producing a live action adaptation of uh, Legend of Zelda, the Legend of Zelda. Uh, and in addition to the, doing that, they were also doing a claymation version of Star Fox. So another classic video game from the, the 1980s. But we haven't heard anything about those since. And we just learned why. Well, it turns out uh, that Nintendo didn't want us to know about that. These uh, TV shows were abruptly canceled, and according, according to Adam Conover from Adam Ruins Everything, on the Surf Times podcast, he said it was because Netflix leaked that these adaptations were coming. As a result, uh, Nintendo, quote, freaked out, and they pulled the plug on everything. Well, that's a dumb move. You're supposed to leak it out so people get excited. Yeah, it's kind of 
crazy, isn't it? Who do they think they are? The Ghostbusters trying to hide the fact that Rick Moranis is going to be in the new movie? <laughs> yes. Right. Well, yes. And how did they, again, how have they managed that so far when we found out about Legend of Zelda now? So it was actually a few years ago that we had first heard that these were going to come out. And the reason why they never came out is not because they're still in development, which... Uh, you know, it was the case with many programs. It's not because of the pandemic has slowed th- things down like it did for so many other films. It turns out it's because of uh, someone who was really excited about this uh, show coming. Perhaps they just can't find who they want to play Link. Well, isn't Zac Efron available? He'd be good at it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Maybe Seth Green. He's kind of he's elfish. Yeah, he's little and funny. Yeah. It is a kind of a weird like uh, thing, right? If this is the reason why it got canceled, that like to your point, the Nintendo would be like, well, f- you people. You can't keep <laughs> Secret? <laughs> then you, now you get nothing. Well, and it's really one guy who, you know, one guy or gal who leaked it. Why do we have to suffer? You know, it's funny because we're Americans. So we assume things should be leaked so that we can enjoy the, you know, the the buildup. Leakage. But apparently, over there, you know, Harry Carey mm. and all that's going to go on now <laughs> because of this. <laughs> It's going to be a news story where executives over at Nintendo are just committing suicide. Jumping out of windows. Yeah, falling on swords. Hey, in other 80s news, and again, this is just a coincidence. And this story comes to us via Screen Rant. That's how I learned about it. And the story is about Super Mario 64, which is a video game that came out on Super Nintendo in 1996. Super Nintendo? Nintendo 64 mm-hmm. in 1996. But it turns out that, you know, 25 years later, however long ago it is now. Oh, 25 years later. I got that right for the first time. <laughs> Um, it turns out that there was an Easter egg paying homage to an older video game hidden in the theme song for this game. And hmm. uh, this was discovered by someone on Twitter who refers to himself as Hojudu. I hope I'm saying that right. Probably not. So what they did was they took the theme song from the game, they put it into GarageBand, you know, that music software, mm-hmm. and they started speeding it up. And something becomes recognizable about Super Mario 64's theme song. So this is the original Super Mario 64 theme. Yeah. This is the Garage Band version of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is that, Zelda? No, that's a good guess, though. It does sound very similar. Okay, now he's going to start truncating and speeding up the notes. He's going to loop this one section. drops it down an octave after this. What is it? Donkey Kong? It's Donkey yeah, Kong. it's Donkey Kong. Yeah. The theme from the original Donkey Kong is hidden in the Super Mario 64 <laughs> theme. Yeah. It only took 25 years to find it. Yeah, and to chop it up and slow it down and... Yeah, smack it up, flip it, <laughs> rub it down. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who has that kind of time or would even necessarily think to do that. I guess with enough time, you could take any song and make it sound like something else, I suppose. Well, yeah. You know, it made me think if this guy, if it took 25 years for this guy to find this, imagine how many songs he listened to and slowed down over the last hmm. 25 years and found nothing. <laughs> that's, a, that's quite a hobby he's got there. Nothing in the GoldenEye theme? Oh, <laughs> next. In other 80s news, and, and actually, and again, this is just really a coincidence that I've just identified as we're going through these stories here. According to Ars Technica, Twin Galaxies attacks Billy Mitchell as fraud. And new legal claims. Oh, no. Now, I wanted to get to this at one point because <laughs> we we didn't intend to, but we wound up teasing the, this Billy Mitchell story in our Christmas episode. <laughs> we did. 
<laughs> you had that hilarious way you brought it all together at the end. Yeah. Uh, making uh, Billy Mitchell as a sort of stand in for Tiny Tim at the end of our uh, video game Christmas Carol mm-hmm. episode. And you should check that out, even though it was for Christmas, because you still get to hear from Brett Weiss, Howard Scott uh, Warshaw, Tommy Tallarico, and Haiti. So this lawsuit started quite a while ago. Um, and I guess the short version of the story is. Uh, and you know some of this because I know you've seen The King of Kong, but uh, for folks who don't know who Billy Mitchell is, uh, I guess I guess you, you may know who he is, sort of, because like you pointed out, Peter Dinklage's character in uh, Pixels is essentially Billy Mitchell, yeah. or sort of a version of it's him. It's kind of like based on him, I think. He's got that look and uh, sort of attitude, it seems. <laughs> and maybe his... Uh, used the same methods for achieving high scores because it uh, turns out that guy was cheating uh, in the character in Pixels. So, uh, so again, flashing back, Billy Mitchell in the 1980s uh, was someone who had earned a record high score on Donkey Kong. His uh, initial high score was 874,300, and that stood for 18 years. And it was only broken, I believe, only after he himself broke it with something like 900 some odd thousand. So, Fast forward a little bit, there's this documentary, King of Kong, where they, you know, they, they document a, a battle between Billy Mitchell and this other a, a man named Steve Wiebe to achieve the ultimate Donkey Kong high score. Steve Wiebe achieves a record of a, of a million, six, uh, like a million uh, six thousand six hundred, which was the first score ever to beat a million. Uh, and then Billy Mitchell, and this is achieved at live at the uh, Twin Galaxies Arcade. Then Billy Mitchell sends in a videotape. He has a friend deliver a videotape to the arcade saying, actually, I, I crushed that score. Here's my score of a million forty seven thousand two hundred points. And even though Twin Galaxies, po- Galaxies policy up until that point is to um, have people uh, complete high scores right in front of them, they take the videotape. Oh, sorry, Steve, you're wrong. You're, you're actually in second place now. Uh, Billy Mitchell crushed your record. Steve uh, Weeby winds up challenging Mitchell again. Hey, give me another shot. Let's do it live in person, head to head. Uh, Billy Mitchell will not do it. Uh oh. Yeah. That's a bad sign right there. <laughs> Ultimately, at home, Steve Weeby, and they show this in his documentary, uh, he has an authentic arcade uh, Donkey Kong in his, his garage. He, he, he breaks that, uh, the alleged record of uh, Billy Mitchell in his garage when he achieves a million forty nine thousand one hundred. All right, we'll cut to today. Uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, some folks analyzed the videotape that Billy Mitchell had submitted and said, this is shady. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like he was actually playing on a MAME version, which is an emulator. Yep. Everybody's got one of these. You can have it on your phone now. But uh, there's some ways that the game renders the graphics on an emulator that is different than the arcade. So they said, all right, there's no way this could be for an arcade cabinet. So Twin Galaxy, this organization that kept these record high scores, which was now owned by someone different and not Billy Mitchell's friend who owned it for uh, 20, 30 years at that point. They stripped Billy Mitchell of all his high scores. Yep. Dirty cheaters, what they called him. Well, yes. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at now. Billy Mitchell immediately sued, said, reinstate my high scores. Um, And also, you know, said that they were defaming him and all these other things. Twin, the new Twin Galaxies, who's counter-suing, was being kind of gentle <laughs> with uh, Billy Mitchell because he's he's litigious. He sues anybody who says anything bad about him. Uh-oh. In fact, we may get a letter. <laughs> Seriously, we may get a letter. I've seen YouTube's YouTubers and podcasts get letters. Sweet. Um, <laughs> but in their most recent counter-suit uh, or counter-claim, they, they didn't hold back. And instead, they're... 
They've avoided attacking him personally, but now in this recent claim, they said that he, quote, lacked the requisite natural skill or ability to be the greatest video game player of all time, end quote. Oof. So they're saying he didn't even have the talent. Yeah, it sounds like things are getting salty over there, and they're just like throwing fireballs at him now. Good. People don't usually fight him. Like I said, he seriously, he sues or threatens to sue anybody who says anything about him. But this is, I think, the first time he's getting a run for his money. So hopefully this will make him change his ways. It's weird, though, because he shouldn't be stripped of all of them just because one looks like it's an emulator. They should take a, a closer look at the other ones. And if they are real, then he gets to keep them. Yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't know how they how, arrived how, at that. That's like the, they find out somebody's cheating in football by, I don't know, uh, deflating the balls. Yeah. <laughs> and they take away all their records for everything. It, it, it would make no sense. Mm. Okay, maybe he, yeah. So you put him on a Donkey Kong machine and see what he can do. Huh, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's leave it at that because what you're saying actually leads right nicely into what we're going to talk about today. So let's get to that. Uh, That was 80s news. As I mentioned, today on the show, we're going to dip our toes, not into a bloody bucket as Ray suggested yet. (laughs) He's going to plunge some kind of limbs into whatever. When he, he does this in a, you know, in a future episode. But for today, we're just going to try it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do a true crime podcast with a crime in which no one dies. Hmm. Uh, so have you ever listened to a true crime podcast before? Uh, nah, I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's probably true, right? I, mean, uh, I do listen to a few. Okay. Yeah, I, I hardly do either. I, I have a few I like. But... Um, uh, when I first started getting into podcasts, because everybody was talking about true crime and, and, and it's still, you know, a huge genre, a popular genre among podcasts, I did listen to some true pro- crime podcasts. And so I, I get the appeal of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to avoid the ones where it's, you know, children are harmed or, you know, it's, it, that's too much for me. Ever since I had kids, anything involving kids is just like, I don't know, it's emotionally hard to bear. Mm-hmm. But um, I did listen to some others that had some heinous crimes. And so I get it. They're dramatic. So- uh, what I'm thinking is if we're going to do this, you know, and maybe we'll approach yours in a different way. We'll see. You can just sit there with your mouth open while I talk it through <laughs> my. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So what, what's your approach here, Will? Right. So the elements of a true crime podcast. First of all, you've got a narrator who's usually speaking in a, in a very deep voice. So I'm going to try to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. And then um, you have to have some sort of eerie music playing in the background you know, while you're telling the story and have a different, slightly different version of that for the transitions between some of the dramatic beats. All right. So then I'll, you know, we'll see how this goes. All right. gotta, if we got to stop, if we have to stop this nonsense or you have a thought, yeah, whatever, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll just bring it to a I like home. this. We'll, I'm going to have to we'll give talk. you a list of sound effects I need for mine. <laughs> oh no. You're like, Hey, do you have a sound of skin being torn from a human? <laughs> So I'm going to tell you a story here, and it's right. not unrelated to what we were just talking about on 80s News. Okay, here we go. On November 30th, 2012, for the first time in its history, the Guinness... Re- yeah. Ah, all right, I screwed up already. Okay. <laughs> all right, starting again. Starting again. <laughs> on November 30th, 2012, for the first time in its history, the Guinness Book of Records created a new accolade. The world-renowned organization recognized veteran gamer Todd Rogers for holding the longest-standing video game high score. According to the newly created record, three decades earlier, Rogers had achieved an unbeatable time of 5.51 seconds on the Atari 2600 game Dragster. There was just one problem. 
Roger's alleged score was impossible. <laughs> now you gotta play a different kind of theme. And then you switch back to the original. You know what's great about that is, is like that on a TV show in the 80s, that would have yep. been the commercial break right there. And then they yep. would have come back and repeated everything they just said again. <laughs> You're like, damn it. And then you get like, what, 15 seconds more of information in another Budweiser commercial. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Born on December 1st, 1964, Todd Rogers led a typical suburban childhood his time divided between playing sports and collecting comic books. Then, in 1972, Rogers got his first taste for the medium that would change his life. And your thing, it'll probably be like first taste of Flash or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murder. At a mere eight years of age, an Odyssey system was made a staple in the family living room. Rogers and his older brother spent hours besting one another at Pong and other rudimentary video games. Then, five <laughs> years later, another world-changing milestone for the young video gamer. In 1977, the Atari 2600 usurped the Odyssey's role in Rogers' household. But the game that would forever change Rogers' life was yet to be created by a company that didn't yet exist. Nice. The, the music really does help with this segment. Oh, it does? Yeah. All right. I, I, I like I, it. I keep saying I'm going to stop doing the voice. It's hurting my throat, but I keep doing it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a combination of the, the music and I've got to the vibe. I keep, it, it makes me, I'm waiting. I thought you were going to say, and then it changed his life when he bashed his brother's head in with the console. <laughs> oh, I wish it was that interesting. Oh, wait, maybe I am going to be into your form to do it now. I see the attractiveness of it. Okay. In 1980, Activision, a company created by disgruntled former employees of Atari, released its first game for the popular console, Dragster, an unlicensed port of the key games arcade coin-op Drag Race, it was programmed by Activision co-founder David Crane. In the game, the player races against the clock or another player to complete a quarter-mile track in the fastest time. As with Activision's other titles, a club was formed to recognize the most talented gamers. Those who reached the finish line in less than six seconds were invited to join Activision's official world-class dragster club. Uh, now I want a movie about this, where it's it's like that movie, The Skulls. It's like a, yeah. a oh. secret society secret of society <laughs> of, of dudes who played this game and got invited. Uh, huh? Are they actually really racing at all, or no? It's just well, I guess well, really... it's a movie, so I guess they show up and they stick them in real drag cars. <laughs> That's what they're. Oh, so it's kind of like Last Starfighter, but yeah. darker yeah. and dangerous. And yeah, all right, sure, okay, I got that. Yeah, you know. That's right. Commercial. It's commercials are over. <laughs> On December 1st, 1980, at age 16, Roger's proclivity for video games paid off. He became a certified member of the World Class Dragster Club with a time of 5.64 seconds. In the years that followed, Rogers continued to earn memberships to Activision's various honorary game clubs. Then, in 1982, Activision invited Rogers to demonstrate their games at the Consumer Electronics Show, 
a role that would continue for the next few years. It was during this time that Rogers achieved another breakthrough. He had bested his previous dragster high score, completing the game in a record-setting 5.51 seconds. Once again, the world-class dragster club recognized his achievement, this time with a notice in the spring 1983 edition of Activision's official newsletter. <laughs> That'll get you laid. What's <laughs> <laughs> funny about this guy, and you'll see like him compared to Billy Mitchell, there's a look. For some reason, they held on to the facial hair and the mullet. What's, yeah, well, if it's if it if it's working for him, Jesus, what do you want him to do? <laughs> says, says the man growing a mullet right now. No, I got mine's way worse than a mullet. Oh no, my, the, the top of my head's longer than the back right now. Oh, that's good. You can get that sort of you know feathering. That oh yeah, yeah. The, the feather's gonna. I'm gonna look like Heather Locklear here soon. That was. <laughs> I was gonna say Bon Jovi, but yeah, that works. All right, sure. In spite of his early success, Guinness did not recognize Rogers until 2012. Wait, it whoa, was whoa, whoa, at whoa. that what? what 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 the hell was that? 2012? 20 did I say yeah. 2012? You said 2012. Oh, All right. Do that again. Do it again. In spite of his early success, Guinness did not recognize Rogers until 2012. <laughs> I almost did it again. Uh, it was <laughs> it was at that time that a new honor was created among the annals of the world record keepers. On November 30th of that year, Guinness acknowledged that Rogers had achieved a milestone unique even for the multiple record holder. He had held an unbeatable high score for longer than any other gamer. But just six years later, Roger's record would be wiped from the record books, and not because someone had fared better than Roger's time of 5.51 seconds. I know, I know how he got caught. You do? Yeah, he used whiteout on his screen. Oh my god! To fix the numbers. That well, you might not be too far off, actually. <laughs> In 2017. Just five years after he achieved a Guinness World Record, Roger's score began to be challenged. While the score had been suspected as impossible for years, an official dispute was opened with Twin Galaxies. Holy yeah, shit, that Twin Galaxies is back. Yeah. Included among the growing evidence of foul play was the work of computer scientist Eric Omnigamer Koziel. After analyzing the computer's code, Omnigamer determined that the best possible time that could be achieved on the game is 5.57 seconds. 5.57 seconds. Should I say 5.57? 5.57 seconds. <laughs> Both sounds wrong. 5.57. Say it like that. 5.57. Now see, that sounds natural. Okay. <laughs> to confirm these findings, Twin Galaxies asked noted modder Ben Heck to work with Rogers to see if 5.51 could be reached. But... <coughs> oh, sorry. Doing his dumb voice. <laughs> He's all staying in. But even after hacking the program... And with Roger's guidance, Heck was unable to replicate Roger's alleged score of 5.51 seconds. 
But if Dragster couldn't be completed in that time, how did Roger's score come to be acknowledged by the prestigious Guinness Book of World Records? According to Guinness, they relied on the records of Twin Galaxies. In turn, the original owner of Twin Galaxies, Walter Day, indicated that Twin Galaxies had relied on Activision. This was unusual because Twin Galaxies usually required a high score to be achieved live or for videotaped evidence to be submitted. Huh. So he just called them and gave them the number? We're not really sure. He's <laughs> just like, well, he's like, hey, hey, Twin Galaxies. Oh. Yeah, I'm playing some, some drag racing mm. game right now, and here's the number I just got. So can you go ahead and throw that on the high scores for me? No, it's Thank even, you. It's even better than that. Hang on, we're getting to it. Activision had relied on a Polaroid provided by a young Rogers in 1983. But Activision didn't require gamers to write their scores on the photographs submitted for admission to the world-class dragster club. So, many believe it's likely the photo was actually that of a 5.57 score that only appeared to be 5.51 due to screen glare or other issues that made the image difficult to read. Even if a 5.51 had been achieved, however, Twin Galaxies' reliance on Activision to determine the dragster record holder is flawed, because in the spring 1983 issue of the Activision newsletter, the one that acknowledged Roger's score, two other gamers were noted to have achieved the same time of 5.51. In fact, according to an earlier edition of that publication, these two gamers had scored 5.51 a year earlier than Rogers. Further, the next best score, according to Twin Galaxies, was 5.64, completely ignoring the achievement of the other two gamers. Hmm. All right, now we're getting to what you were saying. What was I saying? Whiteout? Well, I mean, the whiteout could have been the fact that a Polaroid, I mean, you know, you took it at a certain angle, you may not necessarily be able to read the... Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like people do with their license plate. He sprayed hairspray on the TV. Mm. So when he took the picture, it glared it all up. Oh, is that, I've never heard that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, this is what you were saying about, um, what did he do? Did you just call him up and tell him, hey, I got this score? Or maybe he sent him a, a snail mail. Right. Like he just wrote it down. Like, my name is Todd. Here is my score. Like the birth certificate from that one movie. I am 12. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what you're <laughs> The baseball movie. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Where the dude's like 26 right. <laughs> and he's playing little league baseball. And he's got the birth certificate. It's just like a piece of cardboard yes. that says I am 12. <laughs> no, it's even better than that. While it is not known who entered Roger's score into the Twin Galaxies database in 2001, it is known, however, that Rogers was employed by Twin Galaxies <sighs> from 1999 until 2012. And in 2013, Rogers admitted that he did enter his own scores oh, on no. occasion. That's a horrible thing to do. He's probably the record holder for multiple games. Oh my goodness, Ray. It's as if we actually, you know, uh, organize the show ahead of time before we record it, <laughs> which we honestly do not. Mm -hmm. Under scrutiny, Roger's other unusual high scores in Twin Galaxies database were questioned. Huh. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, these are these are crazy. Check check this out. 
the alleged video documenting Rogers' score of 15 million points on NAS's port of Donkey Kong were discovered to be missing or non-existent. <laughs> Rogers' time of 32.04 seconds in barnstorming was discovered to be impossible to achieve, even with all the obstacles removed from the game. <laughs> So a programmer took them all off and you just flew straight. All you had to do was fly straight. And you still couldn't be You still time. couldn't do it. You'd think if you were going to, I don't know, go in and like give yourself the records, yep. you would at least try to make it seem legit. <laughs> like you cheat well? Yeah. Like don't give yourself a time that's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that raises suspicion. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the thing about being a criminal, you know? I mean, this isn't a crime, but- if you were crafty and had a good heart, you'd probably be really successful at something. Like maybe he'd be creating video games instead of trying to write, you know, cheat at them. I don't know. Yeah. But to your point, um, no, he had, he had no sense uh, of uh, control in that, in that regard, because uh, there's some other scores on here that um, disregard your advice entirely. Rogers had a high score in Wabbit of 1,698 points even though the game ends when a player reaches 1,300 points. (laughs) You know, know, maybe this was just a thing for him. Like, I'm going to see if anybody ever actually notices. (laughs) Oh, it's like a a Van Halen writer for performing at a concert with the brown M&Ms. Yeah, it's it's the brown M&M thing. Hmm. Maybe, yeah. Hey, if I were him, I would have argued that. I was just testing the integrity of the system. So back to this Wabbit game, not only did the game end after 1,300 points, his score, he said, was 1698, but the game only increased points in increments of five. <laughs> this, you know, I'm starting to think maybe he was sitting in the basement with his friends getting high. And he's like, you know, it'd be cool if I held a lot of records yep. in video games. Hmm. And his other friend was like, you know, it'd be even better if you had impossible scores at video games. <laughs> you were so high when you played them that you actually broke the mm. record that wasn't even possible. Right. So he goes to work the next day and he's yep. like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Mm. I was so high when I played this Webbit game. Yeah. I, I broke the laws of nature. Right. And I, I don't even know how I did it. Just, yeah. It just happened. I suppressed certain impulses in areas of the brain that were keeping me back. <laughs> You know, he went, he went all scanners. I mean, at this point in his life, you know, certainly in the early eighties, like I mentioned, he was working for Activision at these consumers electronic shows, performing, playing games. He was competing against, you know, uh, sort of exhibition and exhibition sort of tournaments against celebrities that would come by to help promote the game. So he did have something to benefit from being a record holder in these different games. Well, yeah, maybe he'll send us a cease and desist letter. That'd be cool to frame. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll put it right next to Billy Mitchell's. <laughs> Okay, there's just two more uh, questionable high scores. Uh, It was confirmed that Roger's score in Fathom would have taken 325 hours to achieve. (laughs) Finally, Roger's alleged score of 65 million points on Atari's... 65 million. Right. 65 million points on Atari 5200's Centipede far exceeded the second place record holder of 58,078 points. (laughs) 
Oh, that's when it comes off the rails right yeah. there. I mean, dude's got chutzpah. All right, here we go. Wrapping up our story here. On January 29th, 2018, faced with a growing number of complaints that Rogers had falsified his time and the increasing pile of evidence suggesting his 5.51 second run on Dragster was impossible, Twin Galaxies threw out all of Rogers' records and banned him for life from no. its scoreboards. Yeah, I was just about to say, there's a dude who deserves a life ban, yeah. lifetime ban from playing games. Take his games away from yeah. him. He can only draw pictures of crayons from <laughs> now on. No more video games for him. Yeah. I still say Billy Mitchell should be able to defend himself about mm. the other games. Like, this guy's got no defense. This guy's an idiot. Yep. It, it makes no sense why you'd be that stupid to try and pull that off. What I didn't mention, as I, as I mentioned, so Twin Galaxies was involved. Walter Day, the owner of Twin Galaxies, seems to have been involved. Because uh, he defended um, Todd Rogers and was, would have been, you know, he was the owner and manager at the time that these scores were entered. He was also in charge when Billy Mitchell's scores were entered. He was the same guy in charge. So it does seem like, as you read into these stories, that there was this group of guys, Mitchell, Rogers, Day, and a couple of other folks who seemed to benefit from this fraud. You know, you know what this says to me? They need to throw out all of the records yeah. and start over. Start fresh. Yeah. Start fresh with a, a real company running it yeah. and just do it new. Fix it. Well, in 2013, I think it was, uh, a new person, I believe his name is Jace Hall, uh, bought Twin Galaxies from Walter Day. And he's the one who's leading this countersuit against Billy Mitchell. And part of the suit is him saying to, um, to uh, suing, or he's actually suing these folks. I think Billy Mitchell had an ownership interest in Twin Galaxies at the time. Um, so he's suing Billy Mitchell, Walter Day, the old guard of Twin Galaxies, saying... When you, I bought this from you, you said you, you signed something that said the database was accurate. It was, it wasn't fraudulent. And so I bought something thinking it was worth X and it turns out it's got a lot of fake stuff in it. So it's worth Y. Yeah. He should go out and start uh, triple galaxy. <laughs> Wait, the guy, there's a new guy that owns two in galaxies. You're saying he right. should rebrand it as triple galaxy. He should re, yeah, rebrand that thing, yeah. triple galaxies. <laughs> One better than the old. One more galaxy better. All right, so here, right, here's the final couple of notes. And following his disqualification from the Twin Galaxy scoreboard. So wait, 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 wait. What's up? So, uh, this is like an 80s show. You got to recap it before you do the ending. Mm. You got to give the real quick summary of what just happened. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and how do I do that? You, all you got to do is say his name yep. and then give us the, the, the thing about he was a good gamer. And then he got caught. Okay. All right. I think I, and then give us the right, I'll kind of change this last paragraph to do that. I'll try it. So you if I can see if I can do it on fly here. So here's one other note before that though. Following his disqualification from the Twin Galaxies scoreboard, the Guinness Book of World Records removed Roger's title for the longest standing video game high score. While Roger's dubious notoriety far outlasted his fraudulent dragster time, it seems it was Roger's that helped speed his fame to an end. For it was only shortly after Roger's was acknowledged by Guinness that his dragster and other scores began to be scrutinized. But the reason Guinness had created a new record for Roger's more than three decades after his alleged achievement is because Rogers himself had lobbied the organization for four years to do so. Man. 
And then you say, uh, he was a good boy. <laughs> what was it that you told me to say? <laughs> no, no, no. He was, he wasn't born evil, <laughs> but he turned. <laughs> you got to yeah. do something like that. Uh, Todd Rogers, aspiring gamer, young man with the world. Hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah. Was not born evil, but uh, went into the arcade. But it was the ar- the, the machinery of the arcades. That took in a, uh, uh, what's an innocent uh, arcade character? Took in a... But, um, yeah, but the people at Twin Galaxy sucked him into a vile, disgusting world of cheating at video game records. And spit him out when he was no longer of value. Oh, yeah, sure, that'll be it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels different when the music just stops. Yeah, I like the music. I don't know what this will be when it gets edited. It's going to be something. It'll be something awesome. And then you start editing, and I'm like, what the hell happened to the show? It's like- Yeah, it's five, 15 minutes long. Yeah. Not as funny. What the, where'd all the jokes go? Well, hey, look, this, this, this episode was um, enlightening for a few things. One, I taught you this story about, you might not have known about uh, Todd Rogers, you know, another Billy Mitchell coming out of the same uh, Twin Galaxies machine. Yeah. I don't know, creating these situations where these kids, young kids who are aspiring to be worker record holders would fudge the numbers. Yeah. But we also learned maybe what it's like to make a true crime podcast. Uh, we're going to learn that later, but oh, yeah, this makes Billy Mitchell look almost like an angel. I wouldn't go that far. Just saying. Hey, so we learned about Todd Rogers, but I don't know if we actually proved anything hmm. in the 1980s. Well, you know, yeah. we have proven All right. beyond a shadow of a doubt. Seriously. Wow. That cheating at video games should be done in a much more um, <laughs> low-key... <laughs> Try and keep it within the parameters of what's, you know, uh, achievable. Yeah, be a better criminal. There you go. And we will talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.